Mikel Arteta hailed Kai Havertz's performance in the 4-0 victory over PSV Eindhoven, labelling it as an intelligent display from the German. On this edition of our Tactical Analysis podcast, we're going to break down the multiple roles that Kai Havertz is tasked with playing in a single game. Bear with me, you'll get the gist by the time I'm done. Welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna for another live edition. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Thank you for joining me on another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Whether you're watching us on YouTube uh, live or later on, whether you're listening to this on audio, uh, thank you for joining us as always. You guys will know that yesterday I, I made an emotional farewell, bid an emotional farewell, of course, to my trusty headset, the headset that I started this podcast with. But unfortunately, the headset that I bought to replace them is bloody awful. And I'm sending it back. I can't believe it. The sound quality on it is so, so bad. I might have to dig the other one out. Lucky I didn't throw it away yet. It's terrible, but that's why I'm headphoneless and uh, microphoneless while uh, recording this edition of the podcast. I threw the new ones in my bag this morning. I thought they'll be fine. And I opened them up, did a little sound test check, whatever you want to call it. And to be honest, they are awful. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. I <laughs> um, hope you're all good. hope you're all well. As I say, uh, big hello to those of you joining us in the live chat at the moment. Um, uh, Mickey B says, um, did you get an Uber yesterday? Yeah, I had to. I had to, man. Um, when I came out of Emirates Stadium, it was still raining. Um, the rain was biblical yesterday. It was, it was crazy stuff. Um, and I didn't fancy uh, making my way over to Finsbury Park Station to get home. Um, I also didn't wear the right trainers for the rain. I have to say, I would have ended up with soggy socks. Uh, so I decided against that. Um, I decided uh, to just hop in an Uber and get home. But I don't know if any of you follow me on Twitter or on Instagram. You'd have seen me post a picture of one of the roads that we were traveling down, which was completely flooded. It was like driving through a river. You could hear the water sort of swashing underneath the car uh, as we were making our way home. So, um, yeah. Not the best uh, circumstances, but we got there in the end, um, really, really late night by the time uh, wrapped up all of last night's work. And um, I've had the opportunity today to watch back uh, the game against PSV Eindhoven in full, um, which is always helpful when you want to do one of these tactical analysis shows, I always think, anyway. Um, watched Mikel Arteta's press conference post-match, and I thought his comments uh, surrounding Kai Havertz in particular were quite interesting. You know, there's been a lot of debate and a lot of discussion since the German joined Arsenal. What's his best role? Where does he fit in to the Arsenal picture? Um, is he a striker? Is he an attacking midfielder? Is he a number eight? Um, is he a bit of both? Is he a hybrid in between those two positions? And I think what I realised yesterday is that I kind of had an overall or sort of high level top line understanding of what I thought that Kai Havertz was in the side to do, which was to be the left eight essentially out of possession, but to be a little bit more advanced in terms of his thinking um, and to drift into those more advanced areas in the way that Granit Xhaka did at times last season, but to better effect because Kai Havertz is a much more forward-thinking uh, front-footed footballer in terms of where he wants to be, how he wants to play. He's definitely proven throughout his career that he's more 
uh, of a goal threat than uh, than Granite Xhaka. And so Arteta's thinking, in in my view, was, well, if Xhaka's getting into all those positions, what can we do if we've got someone who is a natural attacking player, somebody who does have those natural attacking instincts, we can really take this up another level. And I talked repeatedly about Arsenal needing to compensate for that in other ways by, i.e., pushing Zinchenko in that little bit closer to Declan Rice when um, Arsenal are, are sort of attacking so that in the event that they do get caught on the transition, they've got that cover, that security of two players sitting in the centre of midfield. That means Ben White getting closer to Saliba and Saliba uh, staying pretty close to Gabriel to keep that sort of central defensive core of a unit of five players essentially without the ball. So it's basically five when you're attacking and five when you're defending. I think that's the way that Mikel Arteta looks at it. But I really kind of studied Kai Havertz's performance even more, actually, after listening to Mikel Arteta's um, comments. I do have to uh, give an apology as well to Martin Odegaard, who, when I did my player ratings after the game uh, live, I initially gave him a seven and a half. I then pushed it up to an eight out of ten. But having watched it back in full, um, eight and a half, nine would be right for Martin Odegaard because he was majestic. I guess I've come to expect these incredibly high levels of performance from Martin Odegaard week in, week out now. And when I see them, um, you know, they don't really grab my attention. They don't really um, sort of give me that wow factor as often because he does it so frequently. Now, obviously, that wow factor should be there and, and the appreciation for what he does uh, should be there, of course. But yeah, um, having watched the game back, I, I stand corrected and I think he deserves more than the 8 out of 10 uh, that I gave him. I also slightly pushed up my rating for William Saliba, who was better on the night than I'd given him credit for eventually. I think I get, well, initially, I should say, I think I gave him a 7.5 or something around those lines um, initially. But um, yeah, lots and lots of positives from that performance. I think PSV basically drew up a blueprint of how not to play Arsenal. Um, fingers crossed um, Tottenham fall into that trap of coming to Emirates uh, at the weekend, attacking us, trying to take the game to us. Because if they play anything like PSV did, then it's going to be a basketball match. And I do believe that we have su superior quality in a lot of areas and therefore we should come out on top. Um, let's say a few more hellos before we continue on. Just a quick reminder as well, if you haven't done so already, please do leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking you you can check out our review show of the game uh which came to you live from emirates stadium around about 10 15 minutes after the full time whistle um you know if you're you're still interested in uh, finding out more about the other teams in our group then our group b preview is also linked in the description below an episode that we did on youtube a little while ago with uh, andy brassel so do check that out as well anyway um a few more hellos uh, let's say hello to uh, angela uh, who joins us uh, from Australia. Uh, we've got Wandering Minstrel with us, Tired Gunnosaurus is with us, we've got Creambone. Uh, Haji Mohammed says, big up Harry, bro. How are you? Uh, from the Arsenal fans in Chennai, India. I uh, hope you guys uh, are good. Um, just with response to the headphones, <laughs> Creambone says, bro, that's what happens when you treat on the uh, cheat on the originals. You're absolutely right. Uh, Nav says he thinks yesterday was our best win of the season. The performance was certainly up there. Uh, no question about it. Big hello to Wes Bird, uh, to DD Chan, who says, finally, someone knows uh, how Havertz is doing. We'll get into that in just a second. Um, we've got USA Guna with us as well. 
and Mickey's joining us uh, via Apple Podcasts, or normally joins us via Apple Podcasts, but is joining us for the first time on YouTube. Right. If you are listening on the audio platform, you probably want to hop over to YouTube um, for this one because I've put together some visuals. Yes, I've been playing uh, with my new toys, um, my new programs, my new um, software. And um, not that it's anything complex. I mean, it's like a, a slideshow software, but I've managed to put something together to help me explain some of my points uh, so that you guys can follow what I'm saying uh, nice and clearly so you can understand the ins and outs um, of, uh, of the points I'm making and highlighting. And I want to just highlight, as I said, the complex role that Kai Havertz is being asked to play at Arsenal. And I want to show you some examples of the different things he is tasked with doing in different game states, in different moments, and depending on the opposition. And this is why, you know, Mikel Arteta repeatedly says that Kai Havertz is a really, really intelligent footballer and why if you're going to have someone play the role that Kai Havertz does, then they need to tick that box. Because if they don't, it can be awfully confusing and it can be, um, you know, it can be a disaster waiting to happen. So let me share with you guys um, some of my thoughts uh, on this. Let me um, make the screen bigger for you guys so that you can see exactly what we're talking about. How should we set this out? There we go. So uh, Kai Havertz, complex role at Arsenal, explained right here on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. So if we start off with this screenshot, this is on the second minute. And this was a move, uh, I believe, that ended up in Bukayo Saka getting in behind. And Arsenal, I think, forced a corner out of this. But look at Kai Havertz's positioning there. He moves into the centre-forward position alongside Gabriel Jesus. And what's he doing? He's occupying defenders. There's at least two defenders there that are keeping a close eye on Kai Havertz, are afraid of venturing too far away from him and are afraid of giving him too much space. Now, you might be wondering how it is that despite people knowing what a threat Martin Odegaard is, we keep finding space for him on the edge of the penalty area. This space here that I've highlighted, this is the area in which Martin Odegaard thrives. He gets on the ball here. He's either going to pick out a pass. He's either going to find the bottom corner. He's either going to find the top corner or he's going to do something productive. He has become so lethal from those areas of the pitch. But given everybody knows that, how do we keep creating those spaces? How do we keep generating that bit of grass for Martin Odegaard to go into relatively unchallenged and having the time in the end to get shots off and all the rest of it. Well, Kai Havertz is a big, big part of that, whether it's Kai Havertz or Fabio Vieira, whoever plays in the left eight position, if you want to call it that for Arsenal at this moment in time, has to do this. They have to push right up to the edge of the box. They have to be alongside Gabriel Jesus, almost like a centre forward. And that attracts the attention of defenders who will panic naturally when they see a player making a run into the box and therefore you generate that little bit of space there that is highlighted from which Arsenal have been devastating in recent times. Another example of Kai Havertz doing something slightly different, another uh, complexity, uh, of course, of his role is him playing as a more traditional left eight. Now, in this slide uh, that I'm showing you now, you can see that Kai Havertz on seven minutes was occupying the position of a left-sided eight splitting PSV's two central midfielders apart. And that, therefore, creates space for Alexander Zinchenko to operate in. 
Now, we all know that Zinchenko likes to drift into midfield. We all know that when Zinchenko gets into those areas of the pitch, he's a very, very creative footballer. He's great at breaking the lines. He's great at attracting the attention of defences and all the rest of it. But how do we generate that space for Zinchenko to drift into time after time after time? Well, your left eight and your right eight have to split and pull what is normally a nice, compact, tight central midfield apart. The further you pull them apart, the more space there is in between to expose. And I've highlighted that space here, um, of course, on this uh, on this screenshot. So Kai Havertz coming to the left. The right-sided central midfielder has to go with him. Can't afford to leave him in space because if he receives the ball on the turn, you know, we all know what he's capable of in terms of his qualities. The same on the other side when it comes to Martin Odegaard. And you end up creating that space for Zinchenko to drift into and, um, and Arsenal can build through there as well, should they choose to. Taking it on, um, if we continue, because there's loads and loads um, to break down when it comes to Kai Havertz. So you've already seen him in those first two slides doing two different jobs. If we take it on, here he is on 19 minutes doing something different. Arsenal are breaking forward. Arsenal are on the counter-attack here. Gabriel Jesus has the ball in the centre of the pitch. He's got Leandro Trossard uh, making a run uh, on this near side. On his left, he's got Bukayo Saka. On his right, he's got Martin Odegaard in close proximity, who's going to get on his bike and try, obviously, uh, to get up the pitch and get involved in this particular move. Where's Kai Havertz? Here he is. Kai Havertz is sitting in a deeper position. He's sitting in the left eight position. And on this occasion... Kai Havertz um, decides, I'm not going to bust my gut and I'm not going to join in with the attack. He looks in front of him. There's four players making that run, making that charge forward. And Kai Havertz, in an instance like this, has to be aware of the possibility of a turnover. And what happens if he commits as well, that turnover happens and Arsenal allow PSV through onto their back line. So this is another example of him having to develop or, or having to use his brain and do something slightly different depending on the game situation at that particular point. Here, as I say, he checks his run. And if you forward this clip and you get to the conclusion of the counter-attack, Kai Havertz is not even in the picture because he sat back to defend and he sat back um, to protect. Taking this on even further, here's another example on 24 minutes. Kai Havertz, this time, um, drifting into the centre-forward position. Look where Gabriel Jesus is in. He is in the centre circle um, to the right of the player in possession. He has dropped right deep. And what's he done by dropping deep? He's opened the door for Kai Havertz to drift into that area of the pitch, to pull the centre back with him and therefore create space for Arsenal on this near side, the left-hand side. Because with Kai Havertz making that diagonal run out towards the right with, uh, with Bukayo Saka's presence there as well, what you're doing is attracting attention there, creating space on the left-hand side for Arsenal to exploit. And that also, when Kai Havertz makes runs like that, affords Gabriel Jesus the freedom to drift. Gabriel Jesus is at his best when he's not tied down, when he's allowed to drift left, to drift right, um, to drop deep. That's the best version of Gabriel Jesus, the one that has the shackles taken off. And that doesn't, you know, that means that you still need a focal point. That means that you still need someone to occupy the centre half. You still need someone to offer threat in behind. And Kai Havertz in making this run has done that. So, so far, we've seen Kai Havertz go forward as a, a second striker alongside Gabriel Jesus. That's one facet of his game. Um, we've seen him drop in as a left eight. 
and pull wide uh, to help create space in the centre for the likes of Zinchenko and Rice to get on the ball and dictate play. We've seen him decide against joining in on a counter-attack in order to protect Arsenal against the transition. And here we've seen him swap with Gabriel Jesus, moving into the centre-forward role, role to offer a focal point and offer some threat in behind. So already I've shown you four different things that Kai Havertz has done, and we're only 24, 25 minutes into the game. Now, this is the final example because some of the other examples are similar to what I've already shown you. So I don't want to bore you, but this is the final example that I really want to share with you. So check this one out. This is the build-up to the Gabriel Jesus goal um, that was brilliantly assisted uh, by Leandro Trossard. So Gabriel plays this wonderful ball over the top of the PSV defence. But you can see um, Kai Havertz is here down in front of us. You can see the arrow because that's where Kai Havertz moves. Now, I can't run the clips due to copyright reasons. I don't want to get um, any issues with that. But the reason I've drawn the arrows is to highlight to you what Kai Havertz has done. So initially, he's gone up to centre forward and then he's made this drop deep, which you can see um, following that yellow line. He's pulled Armel Belakotchap with him. Teze, the right back for PSV, who you can see on this near side, has seen that and is now concerned and, and worried about the ball potentially going to Kai Havertz's feet. And in doing so, he's lost track of Leandro Trossard, who's just there highlighted, just slightly out of your picture, who's on his bike in behind. Gabriel drops a wonderful ball over the top and Arsenal are in behind. Kai Havertz has played a massive, massive role in that goal. Um, and he's not even touched the ball. And this is where, you know, people say, well, you know, he's not that involved. You know, he, he hasn't really connected the dots as well as we thought he might or thought he could. Actually, he's been doing that. And, and I think, look, he did it more so against PSV. I, I said it on our uh, sort of initial reaction show. I, I felt like PSV's style of play really did help us in terms of them playing into our hands. And it allowed us to do a lot of the things that we want to do um, and a lot of the things that we aim to do. But, you know, you don't always have to touch the ball to make an intelligent bit of movement and to influence the outcome of a piece of play. And Kai Havertz showed that lots last night. Yes, he got on the ball and I thought he influenced the game pretty well in that sense too. But generally speaking, his movement has to be so intelligent. His movement has to be um, really well thought of. He's always wary of the spaces he leaves in behind, given that he's got some midfield responsibilities. He's always wary of the fact that he will at times need to get up close to Gabriel Jesus, either to help him out directly by getting on the ball or to generate space for others. Um, he also knows that he's got a role to play in the transition when Arsenal lose the ball. He, his role is so complex that I think people have struggled to figure it out up until this point. And as a consequence, people have looked at his performances and gone, actually, he wasn't that good. Well, it depends on what you're judging him on. Now, I'm not sitting here and saying that Kai Havertz has been spectacular and we've got it all wrong and it's been misunderstood. But I have said all along that he'll need time. He will need time to understand fully his role, to develop new habits. It's really difficult to replace old habits. Um, and he's going to need a bit of time to adapt to what his role now entails. And I think yesterday... Um, we got a really good idea and a really good glimpse and a really good look at actually what he's been asked to do. Mikel Arteta himself said that I ask him to play multiple roles within a game. And I think this sums up um, just these four clips, which were all taken from the first half. I think these just sum up 
the the variation in in the different things he's being asked to do so it's not just one role it's not just get up to support jesus it's not just make sure that you don't leave spaces in behind for the transition it's not just pulling people out of the way um you know sometimes it's not even about touching the ball it's about occupying defenders and creating space for others so kai Havertz's role is far far more complex than anybody um has cared to admit up until this point and i think last night we got a first glimpse of um of what it is exactly that he's asked to do in this team and um and actually how many different roles uh that entails and and therefore you can understand why it's taking him a bit of time i think uh, to settle down but yeah um that's that um big thank you uh, to everybody uh, of course for tuning in um on this uh, tactical analysis edition of the chronicles of aguna short and sweet uh, but i just wanted to highlight uh, my takeaways from last night's game i had a few other takeaways as well but my main focus was on Kai Havertz. I thought Arteta's comments were really, really interesting. I then watched the game again and sort of analysed it with a fine tooth comb and picked out some examples of Kai Havertz, um, you know, showing us that he is, he's like a Swiss army knife. You know, he can do all different things and he will get better and better at it. And once we fully understand the role, I think we're in a much better position to judge whether he's doing it well or not. Um, you know, he seems to be pleasing Mikel Arteta, as Steve points out in the comments. That's what his role is. Um, pleasing the fans as well. Well, that's a nice bonus too, Steve says. And I think in time he'll get there. But I think when you understand fully the, the different jobs that he's being asked to do, how many of them there are, I think you can appreciate the displays that we've seen from Kai Havertz so far a lot more. Thank you all so, so much, guys. If you haven't done it already, please leave a like on the video. It really, really does help me. Um, subscribe to the channel as well if you're brand spanking new. We gained a load of subscribers, over 100 subscribers just last night, which was incredible, um, off the back of our first win back in the Champions League. Uh, so subscribe, like, share, all the rest of it. If you've listened to this on audio and you're thinking, what on earth is he on about? Then get over to the YouTube channel. Check this episode out. And, um, and you'll be able to take it in with the imagery. And then I guess it will make a bit more sense. But anyway, thank you all so much. Apologies that the sound is not tip-top quality. As I say, the new headset just isn't cutting it. It's going to be bin straight away. Well, not bin. I'm going to send it back. But you know what I mean. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's been relegated already. Might even have to dig the old one back out. I'll catch you all soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Have a great evening. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler. And you're listening to Harry Simeon.